This is episode number 46 of the Fearless Presentations podcast, the fastest, easiest way to eliminate public speaking fear. Want to absolutely eliminate public speaking fear? This podcast is the answer. Here's the guy who literally wrote the book on Fearless Presentations, Doug Stannard. Hello and welcome to the Fearless Presentations podcast brought to you by the Leaders Institute and fearlesspresentations.com. I'm your host, Doug Stannard, president of the Leaders Institute, and this is the podcast that helps people just like you get rid of public speaking fear and increase your success by increasing your confidence when you communicate. This is episode number 46, and this is part two of a three-part series on how to conduct webinars. So last week, we covered seven things that you really need to know about webinars before you actually try to create one. And this week, I'm going to cover the nuts and bolts of really how to put a webinar together from from scratch. Next week, I'm going to cover a lot of the technical details, things that that you can use that will keep you from making those on-air blunders that often occur in webinars. So the podcast is brought to you by fearlesspresentations.com, and we have 15 classes coming up in the third quarter of 2018. Those classes are going to be in Detroit, Columbus, Atlanta, New York, Nashville, Washington, D.C., Dallas, St. Louis, Los Angeles, Orlando, Portland, Boston, Cincinnati, and and Austin. We also have classes coming up in Vienna and London and Dublin later in the year. So if you're interested in any of those classes, make sure to go to fearlesspresentations.com to register for, for the class because we can really only allow a maximum of about 10 people per class. And once the class fills up, we have to close the registration. One other quick thing that I don't mention a whole lot of on the podcast, but if, if you're interested in any of the content that we ever cover on any of the podcasts, you can always go to our website at fearlesspresentations.com. And if you just do, if you go to fearlesspresentations.com forward slash podcasts, it will actually give you a list of all of the last few. It'll give you a list of all the podcasts, but they're they're ranked in the order that the podcasts were released. If you go to the to the show notes, the the little notes that are in the like if you're listening on iTunes on your iPhone or something like that, if you just go into the notes for each podcast, most often we include a link there that actually takes you to that specific show's notes. And we have all of the the podcast transcribed, so all of the details that I cover, plus actually cover a lot more on on the website. So it gives you a lot of images, and and sometimes we even include videos and things like that in there that you don't really get on the podcast. So if you're interested in any of the content and you want more of it, just click on the link that's in the podcast notes, and you can get way, way, way more detail. So let's get on with today's podcast. So our topic today is how to create webinar content to maximize audience retention. Now, this is a continuation of our three-part webinar series. And in this post, in this episode, we're going to cover, we're really going to cover how to create that webinar content to help you, you know, kind of maximize the retention of your audience. So when they, when they attend the webinar, we want them to be able to apply this in the real world when it's all over. Um, so in the last episode, we covered seven things that you should know about webinars before you actually start to design some of these things. And then next week, we're actually going to cover some of the technical aspects of, the, of how to do a webinar. So the software that I use and, and some of the pros and cons of different other types of software and things that you can do to make your, your webinars kind of flow a little bit better. 
Just as a review of what we covered in the last episode, though, not all content is really suited for webinar delivery. Now, there are certain types of content that are perfect for webinar delivery, while others, you know, if you try them, they're going to fail miserably, no, no matter how good the presenter is. So, for instance, any process that you're trying to teach that is likely to make the audience member feel nervous when they try it is likely going to have a negative result in a, in a, a webinar atmosphere anyway. And informational content, though, where the participant is already somewhat familiar with the, the content that you're providing or with the process, that and, and where fine-tuning is required, that type of content is fantastic for a webinar. In fact, you can save a lot of time and a lot of money to, look, to deliver that kind of content to your audience. In fact, I'll kind of use my industry as an example. If I were to create a Fearless Presentations webinar, and it was designed to really help presenters reduce presentation fear, it's likely not going to work very well. And the reason why is that that type of content requires a really good coach. It, it, it That coach has to be able to help the individual grow in confidence in that specific skill set because it's a skill set that when people try it for the first time, they're going to be very, very nervous about it. So, you know, so, I mean, other types of skill sets like that would be, um, skydiving right so if you're, you're going to learn to, it's learning skydiving through a webinar not a great idea driving not a great idea firing a weapon not a great idea those are all types of skills where if you have somebody that know a professional that knows what they're doing they can shave a lot of, of learning time off your off your learning cycle and everything so it can really help um, if, if however I, I were to design a webinar for a group of professional speakers who are already really confident speaking in front of a group and uh, and we wanted to create a, to a webinar topic called uh, public speaking secrets of motivational speakers they would likely get tremendous benefit from that content they're already highly skilled in that area and so being able to share additional content in that medium can be very helpful so you got to kind of know your audience and what you're and and the the confidence level that your audience has in the content that you're trying to deliver to determine whether or not a webinar is going to be the best venue for the the content that you want to deliver um, so some common situations where a webinar can really save time and also be extremely helpful for your audience are, in fact, one of the ways that we use them a lot is as as follow-up to in-person training. So a lot of times what we'll do, especially when we're doing leadership training, is we'll go out and we'll do a one-day or a two-day leadership class and then over time, we'll give the the people in that audience the additional content in a webinar format. So we'll give them, you know, a half day, a full day, maybe two days worth of, of really intense training, and then we'll reinforce that a week later in a, a twenty minute webinar, a thirty minute webinar. Do it again a week after that, and do it again a week after that. So every time that we are following up with a webinar, the, it's it's strengthening the the content that they've already been exposed to. So so a follow-up to in-person training is a great way to to use a webinar. Another type of, of, um, of or another situation anyway where webinars can be really helpful is if you're just trying to fine-tune that process with a, a skill that an audience that is already skilled in an area like I talked about with the um, with the professional speakers. A good example of this would be like a sales team. So you got a sales team they're already good at selling. They're already they're already going out and selling their prospecting. They they kind of know the process, uh, the sales process fairly well. Well, a webinar can be a great way to give them additional tips to help kind of 
help them grow and get better at maybe new technology that they haven't been exposed to yet. You know, things are changing so fast in the business world that sometimes that we can kind of cover stuff in a webinar that will be much more helpful for them. And, and, and a lot of times that, that will work really well. Let's say uh, I, I had a client not too long ago that worked with um, robot. They were they were they were a surgical company. They worked with robots that did surgery, and uh, although the the initial training to do that would have to be done in person. I mean, it would have to be the. I mean, you couldn't learn how to use. A, a, a surgeon anyway couldn't learn how to use one of those robots through a webinar. However. You know, once the the surgeon is skilled, if we could uh, get a, a bunch of those uh, top surgeons together to do kind of best practices through a webinar and have every you know surgery uh, every surgeon in the world that does surgery with these robots, you know, give uh, share I be able to attend that webinar. That's a phenomenal way to to use a webinar. It gets information out to a vast audience very quickly and uh, and helps intensify or strengthen that skill that they are that the, the these people already have. So so the second way again is to fine tune a process that that the uh, the people in the audience kind of already know but you want to improve on Third third way that webinars get real, can be very helpful is as an introduction to a new process in which the audience will receive additional training in the future. So a lot of times if you want to kind of jumpstart somebody's um, training in an area, get them started on a webinar so they're exposed to the content. Uh, now we're not expecting them to do anything with that content right away. We'll do additional training to really strengthen that and, and help them feel more more comfortable with it, but it can be used as an introduction. So. Um, a situation like that would be, uh, let's say, a marketing team is going to be uh, rolling out a new a new marketing process or a new a new uh, brand with an organization with a company. So they can introduce that to the entire organization through a webinar, and then the marketing team can go out individually to the different franchises, to the different offices, whatever, and and kind of strengthen that, teach them, you know, in in a in a more comprehensive way, in a one on one kind of way. So so the um, another way that webinars can work really, really well is as a rollout to updates or current processes, especially with software. You see this a lot in the software industry where uh, we, we, put, we, we do an update to a software package. Well, it's really difficult to go out and train every single person or, or every single organization that has purchased that software all at once. By the time we did, there would already be another update out there. So a lot of times what these organizations will do is they'll create a webinar. They'll create a, a place where folks who have bought that software in the past can go to get updates. And uh, it might be a video webinar. It might be an in, a, um, a live demo of some type where they're able to kind of roll that out. So those can be very helpful as well. Another one, and, and one of the, the 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 last one anyway that I'm going to cover on this webinar is to explain new technology that will be beneficial to a group. So you'll uh, another industry that that does a lot of webinars would be like uh, search engine optimization organ, uh, companies or organizations that do social media best practices. You know, a lot of experts in in those types of industries will do webinars a lot, and the reason why is because that technology changes so fast that they have to be able to get the information out very quickly. And so a webinar sometimes is the best medium for, for that kind of information. So anyway, but now are there, there's probably going to be hundreds, if not thousands, of other types of examples. Those are just the ones that kind of that, that hit me off the top of my head. But the key thing to remember here, though, is that 
implementation of the content in a webinar is always going to be much less than what you get with an in-person instructor or with a coach that is there to help somebody kind of take the step-by-step process. The reason why is because a lot of times it's just a lot shorter in content and um, and the, the information is going to be at, a, at sometimes like a higher level versus the being able to go in depth like you can do if you do a, a half day, a one day, a two day, a 16 week seminar, something like that. So, so keep that in mind as you're as you're kind of going through these the step by step process. I'm going to kind of lay out to you. Keep in mind that if if you're finding trouble, if you, if you're trying if you're having trouble creating the content for your webinar, you just might find that a webinar is not necessarily the best medium for the type of content that you're delivering. And so you might look at some other type of medium to to do that. But uh, but hopefully, though, if you go through this step-by-step process that we're going to go through in the next few minutes, it will help you kind of design this type of information very quickly and easily and make it to where you hit it out of the ballpark every single time that you do a webinar. So step number one in creating great webinar content is you want to keep the content really short and you want to f- you want the focus of your content to be very narrow. Um, Cicero once said, a good orator is pointed and impassioned. <laughs> so you got to have lots of energy and enthusiasm, but you also have to be pointed. You have to be focused on the the outcome that you want your audience to to pull away. So attention spans on a webinar are very, very short. Much, much shorter than what you're going to get in an in-person presentation or seminar. So you, you have to keep the webinar length. Really, you want to keep it under an hour. Now, I've seen a lot of different studies, and and I'll just kind of tell you, I'll, I'll tell you what I found in the studies and also tell you what I found in my own experience, especially on podcasts and webinars and that kind of thing. Um, what I found personally is that if your webinar is between 30 minutes and 60 minutes, it's kind of optimal. If it's if it's shorter than 30 minutes, you're probably not going to get a lot of people to to actually even attend because they think eh, it's too short. It's not going to give me enough content. It's going it, to it's probably going to be a waste of my time. An hour long presentation, though, um, you, you might find that. The people that are red, that register for your webinar, or the people that are that are coming in, that that are coming to it, will find that you you might find that there's a drop off somewhere after about the third twenty to thirty minute mark. So keep that in mind. The, the thirty minute to an hour typically is kind of the sweet spot on the on the length anyway of content for your for your webinar. So now remember, by the way, that you don't have to cover everything all at once. <laughs> you don't have to cover everything in one some some uh, one single webinar anyway. The the major benefit of webinars and the thing that they're really best at is they can deliver information in bite-sized pieces, especially over a period of time. If you if if somebody attends one of your webinars, and they get great value out of it, they get great content, it's going to be much easier for you now to get them to come back and go to another webinar. So, so you don't have to, to kind of explain everything in, the, everything in the world about the topic that you're going to be presenting on. Instead, break it into bite-sized pieces and cover them in bite-sized pieces, and it actually works much better not only for you in preparation, but also it's much easier for the audience to, to pay attention for the, the, whole, the whole presentation anyway. An analogy I like to use here to kind of explain this is that a webinar should be kind of like sipping a glass of wine. (laughs) Whereas a lot of times what folks want to do when they're giving any type of presentation, but webinars especially, is they want to, it's it's kind of like drinking from a fire hose, right? So you're getting bombarded with everything. 
everything under the sun. So the, the it, it's it's enjoyable to sip from a glass of wine. It's not very enjoyable to try to take a drink from a fire hose. You're just getting you splashed in the face, right? Getting knocked down. So the so keep that in mind. That's that's the way you really want to think about your webinars. Is is give it to them in bite sized pieces. Let them enjoy it. Let them get to to take the content that you're providing for them and really be able to apply it in the real world just a little at a time. And then if you get a chance to speak to them at a future date, you can add a little bit more. So um, remember that if you deliver content to your webinar audience that they can benefit from immediately, then they're, they're going to enthusiastically return for additional content. So, so that's step number one. Step number one is you want to keep the content short, keep it really focused. Uh, the second the second item that you want to be aware of, or the second step anyway, in designing good content for a webinar is you want to make the content really audience-focused. Now, if you've listened to any of our podcasts, if you've attended any of our seminars, if you've read any of my blog articles, you're going to find that I am constantly harping on making the content that you deliver quote, audience focused, unquote. So before you start designing, you got to ask yourself a, a very, very simple question. What information can I deliver that will have the absolute most impact for the audience right now? And if whatever the answer to that question is, should be the foundation of your of your webinar. And so a good way to do this is just kind of brainstorm a list of answers to that question. Just write down as many as you can. You, you want to really green light think this this content. You know, the, the, there is no wrong answer, but what basically whatever kind of comes to your mind, just kind of write it down. And once you get five, six, seven, ten, fifteen, twenty, thirty, forty, fifty different answers to that question, the next step is to go back and rate them based on the the importance to the audience. So if you have you have to put yourself in the shoes of that person who's who's sitting in your one of your audience or listening to your webinar or watching your webinar. And if you were one of these people that's sitting in that audience and watching this on their computer or listening to you speak, out of all those things that you've written down that you've brainstormed, what which ones of those things are going to get get them the most impact? And what I like to do is I like to take that list and then just rank them. Um, it's easiest to do this, by the way, if you have like an Excel spreadsheet, you can type those up on an Excel spreadsheet. Put and then you can put the number based on what you. Um, think the importance is for the to the audience and then you can just kind of sort them so that they're in order and and basically what you end up with is let's say you had let's say you start out with 10 different items 10 different concepts or 10 different main points you know if you think of them as bullet points then the top three become your first webinar or maybe you know at most maybe the top five depending on how long you want the the uh, webinar to be, but you want to have three, four, five of those to be your the content, the the top most important three or four or five of those items, and then you've got the rest of the items that you can do on a future webinar. So you can do, you know, six through ten on a second webinar, or if you're only covering three, one through three on the first one, then you got four, five, six for the second, and then you got seven, eight, nine, ten for the for the the third webinar. If you have fifteen or twenty different different bullet points that you come up with, you can make a series of webinars that will help uh, help the, the the audience members really gain that content over over a longer period of time and it makes it much more helpful. So so the uh, so all of those those additional items that you come up with become 
future become main points in some of your future sessions. Step number three is you, now once you have the outline, so basically what you've done is you've created your overall theme, which is your, your the content or the title or topic that you're that you're going to be presenting on, and then you've got your three, four, five main bullet points or main points that you want to cover in the webinar. Now you want to put some meat on the bones. Um, this is actually the most time-consuming part, with the exception of maybe the visual aids, depending on how much time you put into the visual aids later. But on a webinar, this is really one of the most most time-consuming parts because you want to make that content something that the people who are sitting through your webinar can't get anywhere else. And in order to do that, you have to put some time in researching and organizing and being very thorough. Um, Woodrow Wilson, which, in fact, I don't know if he actually was the person who said this. I did some research to try to figure this out, but but it's attributed. The quote is attributed to Woodrow Wilson, and, and the quote basically says, "If if it's a ten minute speech, it takes me all of two weeks to prepare for it. <laughs> if it's a half hour speech, it takes me a week." If I can talk as long as I want, it requires no preparation at all, and I'm ready to go now. So, which is a pretty funny quote and fairly accurate for the most part. The shorter and more condensed that you want your presentation to be, the more time it takes to to really develop it. So, and and I find this from my own personal experience. I can, it's a lot easier for me to design a two day presentation class, really customize a two-day presentation class for a company, than to go in and do an hour-long keynote on a specific topic. It's it's just, it's much more difficult to to um, cover the content in, in more of a, a bite-sized piece. And so, but when you get really good at doing it, your audiences will absolutely love you. So this is one of those things that you really want to focus some time on. So, but the, a good rule of thumb is you want to spend at least, I mean, it, it at least in your presentation, in your webinar anyway, you want to spend at least a spend a good five to ten minutes developing each one of those items from your list. So if you have three items, you're probably going to want to spend 15 minutes at least on each one of those items. If you've got five, you want to probably spend about, I don't know, eight or so, five to eight minutes on each one of those. Oh, sorry, maybe ten or so, up to ten on each one of those. So you really want to, to 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 put some thought into the content that you want to do to support each one of those bullet points. Now, most of the time when I'm trying to to, to design this content myself, I always start with my go-to, which is at least one example or at least one story. I try to try to talk about things that I'm most experience with and I and I use the I use real life examples or stories from my own experience to kind of explain these things. So and and those anything from the real world, anything that that folks can can kind of picture in their head as you describe it can be very helpful in getting them understanding of the concept that you're trying to get across to them. But to make things more interesting, in addition to a story or example, a lot of times I'll often add a quote from an expert. Like, for instance, I've already given a couple of quotes in this podcast. Um, and Or, you know, I might use an analogy. You know, analogies are kind of fun. I think I've already used one or two analogies in, in this podcast as well. So those kind of things, those quotes and analogies take the examples that you're using and really make them come to life. They make them more fun. Statistics can also be a good option. However, a single statistic that's used with a, an example or story typically works a whole lot better than just putting a statistic in alone or giving a long list of, of statistics. And along those lines, 
instead of just adding a bunch of, of just random bullet points to a presentation and quoting bullet point after bullet point after bullet point, it typically works a whole lot better if you do like what we're suggesting here. Just give a few bullets or a few main concepts in your entire webinar and then and then fill your webinar with the examples, with the stories, with the analogies, with the quotes, with the statistics, things that will help you get your point across a whole lot better. If, if you use this process, by the way, if, if you're able to just kind of create that quick outline of the presentation, then the next step is just to take a little bit more time and add some of that quality content. So you should be able to design your webinars in a much, much, much faster way than the average presenter. For instance, according to um, Vengage, which is a, a, another presentation company, they, they say that over 47% of presenters spend more than eight hours designing a one-hour presentation. Now, I take a lot of time designing my presentations, but I don't take, I don't take that long, right? And in fact, less than 20% of the, the presenters that they surveyed spend fewer than three hours preparing their presentation. That's more along the line of what I do. So if you follow these simple steps, you're going to design, you'll be able to design your, you design your entire presentation absent visual aids in, in less than three hours, maybe even just a couple hours. So those are the first three concepts anyway, the first three steps. Step number four, by the way, is you want to make sure that you have a clear idea of what you want to say before you start creating your visual aids. Just like in an in-person presentation, figuring out what you want to say or what you're going to say, you want to do that first and then design your visuals. The process is similar to designing a movie or a cartoon. I mean, you, what, what cartoon designers do is they'll start with an idea and then they create a storyboard. And they create a, a storyboard that's kind of an outline for that idea and it goes step by step. And that's basically what we're doing here in this, in this, um, this tutorial. Um, now, once you get that, that physical storyboard built, then the the um, the cartoon maker will start to design a script, and and then once the voices are actually recorded, that's when they start adding the animation to the voices. They don't do it backwards. You know, a lot of times folks will think, well, well, well heck, you know, if you um, if you just kind of create the cartoon first and then you can put the voice to the cartoon, that's almost impossible. It's very very difficult. In fact, it kind of reminds me when I was a kid. It kind of shows my age, but when I was a kid, Fox Broadcasting was just starting out, and uh, and the, the the local station in the city that I lived in, it was brand new. So Fox didn't have any content; they just had they had one or two shows, and that was it, you know. And and so they had 24 hours of time to fill without a whole lot of content. So they, basically, what they did was they they purchased a bunch of really old shows and just showed reruns of old. Uh, TV shows from like my parents, my grandparents' age. So there was a lot of Partridge Family. There was a lot of Green Acres reruns. I Love Lucy, all that kind of stuff. Things that were Andy Griffith, you know, the things that were you know in the in the fifties, sixties, you know, and and at at earliest maybe early seventies, I think. But the, so, but I was uh, my little brother and I. We were you know came home from school one day and we flipped on the TV and we start flipping through the channels. Back then, this is back when you know we lived out in the country, so we didn't have cable back then, even though cable was around. So we had basically the three main channels plus PBS plus this new this new Fox station. And since since um, since it was newest, we started there first, and we found this this um, cartoon called Speed Racer, which. 
I don't know where this thing came from. Actually, I did some research. I think it's a Japanese um, cartoon that was dubbed in English, and it was it was just really odd. It was one of those things. The, the show basically, the cartoon was about. It was like an eighteen year old kid that that uh, begins driving a, a race car on a on the professional circuit, and he has this really really cool race car and everything. But but the story really doesn't matter as much as the way that it was it was delivered because this cartoon was created for the Japanese audience in order to make it applicable for you know for American kids or English kids. It had to be dubbed, so it took the word, the English, the I'm sorry, the Japanese language, and and it and it and and somebody voiced over that to where it was in English, and of course it didn't really fit. So the 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 lips were always just a little bit off, and there was all kinds of weird kind of ooh, ah, mm, ooh, you know, it's just weird kind of gasps and everything. We're cracking up. I mean, I, at the time I probably was maybe 10, 11 years old, something like that, and my little brother and I, we are just cracking up at how silly this this thing looks. Uh, but basically, that's the type of thing that a lot of people will do when they're designing their presentations. They'll start with the visual aids, and then they'll try to voice over something to make make their what they say fit what's on the visual aid. That's backwards. You want to figure out what you want to say first, then go back and, and design your visual aids. And this is even more vital, by the way, when you're doing a webinar than even the in-person presentations. That's, this is the same tip, by the way, that we give people when we help them design their in-person seminars. But it's it's just so much more important when you're on a webinar because when you're speaking in a meeting room, as you speak, your audience is often looking at you. That's what makes people nervous, by the way, is that you know everybody's kind of looking at us. However, when you deliver a webinar, they're not most of the time they're not looking at you; they're looking at your visual aids, and the visual aids are really the center of attention. So as a result, since that is the case, you want to move right into step number five. The fifth thing, the last thing that we're going to cover today is you want to spend more time and effort on your webinar visuals than what you would for an in-person seminar. And, and I would encourage you to spend quite a bit of time on the in-person visuals as well because that is a that is a, a, a vital part of the communication process. But I, I'm to a point now where if I'm doing an in-person speech and my, my PowerPoint slideshow implodes, who cares? You know, I'm, I'm a great enough speaker that I can care. I just just me in front of a room is is going to be enough to to make the audience really like and un- understand and really enjoy the the content that I have. So it's not near the visual aids aren't nearly as important on an in person seminar as they are on a um, on a on a webinar. Um, a great example of this, by the way, I'll cover this next week when we when we get to the uh, the technical parts. Is I, I I did a webinar actually fairly recently. I did a webinar where I, I was trying something new and I wanted to kind of show myself at the very beginning and and I forgot to turn it off. So basically, the whole webinar people were looking at me speak and and I'm sitting here referencing a bunch of visual visual aids and and of course the nobody can see the visual aids and and because everybody's muted nobody knows or, or you know nobody tells me so it was it's one of those things that those technical things related to webinars are things that you really want to have down cold before you before you start to deliver your first webinar and uh, and we'll kind of work on a lot of those things next week. I'll, I'll tell you about some of the crazy mistakes that I made doing webinars, and how you can you can keep from making the same mistakes by knowing what I did. So so, but tip number five again is to spend more time and effort on your webinar visual aids. Uh, Orson Welles once said, "Create your own visual style. Let it be unique for yourself and yet identifiable." 
for others. So basically, you want your style to be, you know, especially if you're working with a company brand, that kind of thing. You want that brand to be in those visuals. You want that to, to you want that style to be in there. But you also want to want to have your own personal aspects as well. That's why those stories, those examples, those things that we were preparing earlier are things that will make each one of these these webinars unique to you. You want to make it something that they can't get anywhere else but your webinar or your presentation. And that's what you do with your stories, examples, that kind of thing. So if you've, if you've, if you, by the way, if you haven't yet listened to my podcast on creating great handouts, it was two or three episodes ago. Uh, I think it was called uh, Create Professional Handouts Without a Graphic Designer. If you, if you haven't listened to that yet, then I would encourage you to kind of pause and, and listen to that because on that episode, I spent a lot of time talking about two really, really useful tools in designing visual aids. One And those two tools, by the way, are Canva and Shutterstock. Those two tools are lifesavers when you're trying to create really professional looking looking graphics. Almost every single graphic that's on the Fearless Presentation website, especially ones that have been created in the last what two or three years or so, have been made using those two tools, Canva and and uh, Shutterstock. Although I do use Photoshop now more than what I did in the past, just because I'm I'm getting better at doing it. But for the most part, I'm not a graphic designer. I'm not a photographer. I like tools that are easy, and those two tools are really, really easy, and so I use them at least once, two, three, four times a week in, in a lot of situations, a lot of, a lot of cases. So when I create my webinar slideshows, most often I still use PowerPoint, I, and I do that on purpose. Um, and, and the main reason why I do that is is because I've been doing it for years, and I know it inside and out, and I can make PowerPoint do some really cool stuff. Secondly, though, it's still what most people use, but... If, if I were starting over from scratch today, I probably wouldn't get highly skilled at using PowerPoint. Uh, I believe that Prezi, which I think we've talked about a couple times on, on the webinar, Prezi is it's an online slide creation. I know a slide creator is not even a, a good description for it. It's a it's an image. It, it creates a story with images, and you use that as, as a visual aid for your presentations. And so Prezi is much better suited for a webinar. So if you, if you start off by learning how to use Prezi, then you're going to be much more comfortable when you're actually delivering your, your webinars. Uh, and by the way, I'll, I'll kind of discuss Prezi next week as well as one of the tools that I use for webinars. But but the reason why, again, that I still use PowerPoint is because I'm old and I'm used to it. And most of the people that I'm training when I do uh, presentation training are still using PowerPoint. It's still really big in industry. And so until that changes, I'll probably kind of stick with with um, with that because it's what the, the marketplace is really is, is still kind of pulling from me. But I can see, you know, um, uh, visual aids like Prezi because they're, they've taken root so fast and they're so helpful, I can see those really kind of making their way into corporate America a lot faster. And, and if, if I have anything to say about it, I'll, I'll kind of push it that way a little faster as well. But regardless of what software that you use, you really want to make sure that the images are, are much more prevalent in your webinar than you would in your PowerPoint slideshow if you were speaking in a, in a staff meeting or something like that. Most often, when I'm creating my webinar slideshows, I'm just going to use a single bullet point or a main idea for each one of the slides that I have. And by the way, just in contrast, when I do an in-person presentation, most often I'm using, I'll, I'll maybe just use one slide for an hour speech. 
and it might have five bullet points. I'll cover I, I'll cover an entire hours worth of content off of one slide. You can't really do that in webinars, though, because because you have to constantly change things up. Otherwise, you're going to lose the attention of the people who are in your audience much more quickly. And so, um, the the technique, like I said, that I use is I'll create one bullet point or one main concept. Remember, we had those three or four or five that we've that we've identified that we're that we designed our content around. I'll make one slide with the main with one of those main content items on there, and then I'll create an image for every piece of support that I'm using. You know, for instance, earlier I mentioned the TV show Speed Racer, right? So if I told that story that I told you here on the web on the podcast anyway, if I told that on a webinar, most likely I'd have an image of Speed Racer up there while I'm telling that story. You know, so it's it would show up and then when I'm finished telling the story most often most likely it would kind of disappear. So so I'm I'm as I'm kind of telling stories and giving examples, I'm kind of using the visuals to show people what I'm what I'm talking about, and it works a whole lot better that way. Um, what if I'm doing that in an in-person meeting? I'm telling that story in a way that I'm trying to go through the details of 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 the story in such a way that I'm getting the people in the audience to picture in their head me as a kid sitting in front of the TV changing the dial to, the, the dial channel without a remote control right going up standing up so I'm going to put in those kind of details cuz I want them to create that picture in their mind that's a, an effective way to communicate when you're doing an in-person presentation when you're on a podcast though or when you're on a webinar you don't really have enough time to be able to develop your stories that way, and so as a result, you can I you might want to use an image to kind of create that and and keep the audience in tune with what you're talking about. Another example from early in the podcast, I, I kind of mentioned the analogy that a webinar is kind of like making an animated cartoon. So, if if I if I were to give that step by step process in in a in a webinar, I would probably have two different images on the screen at once. I'd have one image that is the step by step process for designing a cartoon, and I would have a picture of the storyboard. And then I have on the other side, I would have creating a webinar, and I would have create the storyboard. <laughs> and so so basically, I can I can put images up as I'm saying these things to reinforce the content and make it easier for folks to understand. Now, the the most important thing about visual aids is that people will lose interest very very quickly on a webinar anyway if the presenter isn't engaging them consistently and since you you lose that the part of the presentation with your gestures and movement and a lot of times the energy when you're on a webinar you have to have you have to kind of have your visual aids kind of take over and and take some of that slack make it a little easier for you to to create that 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 bond with your with your audience so images can really help you do that in a in an easier way by the way if you want more information about this particular concept uh, if you if you want to go back to the interview that i did uh, earlier i think it was podcast number eight eric molin is uh, one of our instructors in in uh, europe he teaches our classes in vienna and london and and brussels and and um, uh, Munich, you know, so he teaches all over all over Europe, and so a lot of times he is teaching presentations in English to people who who aren't natural English speaking people. So as a result, he uses the concept that I use in webinars, and he uses it for his main in person presentations. So, and I could I I really kind of see, especially with Prezi and some of the other types of softwares that are out there right now, I see that this concept moving 
away from just being for webinars and moving that into the in-person presentations sometime in the very near future. We're not there yet, but I really see this as being kind of the future of communicating, especially communicating to massive massive audiences in, in different language, in different languages anyway. So um, on the podcast notes, by the way, if you go to, if you look in the, the podcast notes on iTunes or on any of the uh, platforms where, where you're likely listening to this, the podcast notes will give you a link that you can click that will go to the full podcast notes. So it's an abbreviated note section on the on the podcast programs or on the software on your iPhone, for instance. But if you click the link, it'll actually take you to our website that has basically everything that I've just said in much greater detail. It's got some images, and you can kind of see some of the images that I use to that I create with Shutterstock and with Canva. It's also got a a um, an example webinar that I did uh, a couple of weeks ago, so you can kind of see what see and hear what my webinars kind of look like, and and see every single thing that I've talked about here in application and in the real world. So, um, so in addition to all that, though, there, these are just some of the most useful ways that I found to create webinar content and really make the audience retention much higher. But the just as a recap, by the way, you you want to start by determining if a webinar is the best medium for your presentation. Once you determine that the webinar is the, a good medium for you, keep your content short. Make it pointed. Next, make the audience, make your your content really audience focused, and then and then put some meat on the bones. Add some value to your attendees if they pay attention to your webinar, and then and and then finally, you want to practice your presentation first. Get down what you really want to say and then add in your visual aids at the, at the end. So in the next episode, I'm going to cover some of the technical aspects of, of leading a webinar. And I'll share the technology that I use as well as a few things, a few of those big mistakes that I've made in the past that if you kind of pay attention to what I did, you don't have to make the same mistakes to kind of learn from them. But if you have any questions or comments, make sure and go to the podcast notes. There'll be a comment section. If you like the content or if you like the blog, the blog post that I'm doing or if you like the podcast, just basically go in and, and, and tell me that you like it. And then if you have questions, you can also put your questions in there. I try to reply to every comment that I get on there, but it's you know sometimes we, we get quite a few, so it might be a little difficult. But I, I try, to, I try to, to make a very good attempt anyway to reply to every comment that, that comes on there. So if you're interested in communicating with me, you can kind of do it that way. Also, if you have additional uh, ideas on things that you've used in your own webinars that might be helpful to the audience, go ahead and throw those in there. If, as long as they are good, valid ideas, I'll, I'll approve the comment, and, and you can kind of share that with, with uh, other people that are in the audience as well. And then finally, if you have uh, topics that you want me to cover, I, a lot of these topics, like the webinar topic, are things that people have asked me over the last three, four, five months to kind of cover on the podcast. So if you have additional items that you want me to cover on the podcast, you can actually just put that in the notes when I read it. I'll, I'll kind of put that into the list maybe and kind of cover that on a, on a future podcast. So thanks a lot for being a part of Fearless Presentations. Make sure to, sure to subscribe if you haven't already done so. Leave some comments for us. Um, by the way, one of the things that you might check out if you're kind of new to the podcast or even if you've been listening for a while is the Fearless Presentations uh, YouTube channel. So a lot of the 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 topics that we're covering on the podcast in an audio format, we're breaking that down into bite-sized pieces and, and kind of making those into kind of mini video webinars that, that you can access through our YouTube channel. It's all free. So basically, if you're interested in any of that stuff, make sure and, and kind of check us out on YouTube, Facebook, 
Twitter, <laughs> Instagram, anywhere, any of those platforms, we got, we've got a pretty de- decent presence there. So thanks again for being a part of Fearless Presentations. We'll see you next week. Subscribe to this podcast for new public speaking secrets each week.